My Lord and my God, I firmly believe that you are here, that you see me, that you hear me. I adore you with profound reverence. I ask your pardon for my sins and grace to make this time of prayer fruitful. My Immaculate Mother, Saint Joseph, my Father and Lord, my guardian angel, intercede for me. Thus he chose us in Christ before the foundation of the world. Before the world was made to be holy and faultless, before him in love. Today is the feast of Blessed Guadalupe Ortita Landathuri, the first woman member of Opus Dei to be raised to the altars. And all these phrases that we read from scripture seem to be very relevant in her case. St. Paul says to the Philippians, I'm quite confident that the one who began a good work in you will go on completing it until the day, until the day Jesus Christ comes. When we read through the life of Blessed Guadalupe, we see God working in her life and we also see her total correspondence. She had a great love for her vocation at each stage. She was completely available to whatever St. Josemaria, the founder of Opus Dei, asked of her. She had a great spirit of gratitude for her vocation that was manifested in concrete deeds. You can read between the lines of the biographies and you can see there was a great cheerfulness there. She was always thinking of the good of the work. How can I bring the work forward with my personal correspondence? And so our father was able to rely on her and to ask her to go here and to go there and to leave very flourishing works so as to be available for more important things. We also read in scripture, be you perfect as your heavenly father is perfect. And so we can see how she used all the circumstances of her life to grow in that perfection, to truly have the goal of holiness before her eyes and to see that this is what it's all about. The Philippians, St. Paul also said, yes, I will go further because of the supreme advantage of knowing Christ Jesus, my Lord, I count everything else as loss. For him, I have accepted the loss of all other things and look on them all as filth, if only I can gain Christ. We see how she had a very crucial role to play at the start of many apostolates, not just in Madrid, but also in Bilbao and later on in Mexico. You can also see how in those times they lacked many basic things, but yet they were bringing forward a great enterprise. The smallness of the beginnings did not hold them back and neither did the difficulties or the challenges. 
because you can see that she and everyone who was with her were going forward in faith, listening very carefully to all the things the founder of Opus Dei had to say to them, because they could see that the Holy Spirit was speaking through him. And so they were very united to the vine. And God has blessed all her efforts and the people around her with wonderful fruitfulness. To the Corinthians, St. Paul says, so we are the ambassadors for Christ. It is as though God were urging you through us and in the name of Christ, we appeal to you to be reconciled to God. God has raised Blessed Guadalupe to the altars so that we would look at her closely and see how to model our lives a little bit on hers, which is what the saints are all about, and models for us, or their pathways for us. The only model is Christ. But we see Christ in them. We learn how to try and react like they reacted. And on the one hand, in her biographies, we read all the incredible things that she did at a very early time when transport wasn't so easy and so many other difficulties were there. But then we hear that she had a major heart problem. She had a, a leaky heart valve, which caused her to be breathless occasionally. It had quite a, it caused a lot of demands on her life. And people who have that sort of difficulty just to go up the stairs sometimes is a major problem. They get breathless very easily. And so it's quite surprising to read about all of the incredible things that she accomplished with that particular impediment. You get the impression that she didn't pay too much attention to it. She paid medical attention to it, but she didn't get all nervous about her physical state of health. On the contrary, we see her living her divine filiation in every moment very abandoned at the hands of God, cheerful, happy, grateful, an asset to every corner of family life where she lived, all the time focused on the goal and trying to find ways and means to serve the supernatural family to which she had been called. There's a phrase that crops up frequently in the writings of St. Thomas and Maria, in the way, the forge, the furrow. And that phrase is forget yourself. When we read the stories in our biographies or hear anecdotes, you get a great impression that she was very good at doing precisely that. She came to give everything. She held nothing back. We're told in the book of Samuel, when Yahweh called Samuel, Samuel, he answered, here I am. And running to Eli, he said, here I am as you called me. Each time that a request was made of her, she was totally available. The sky was the limit. To take on difficult tasks, to handle great responsibilities. We're told in St. Matthew again, the kingdom of heaven is like a merchant in search of fine pearls. 
when finding one pearl of great value, went and sold all that he had and bought it. But Lupe tells us with her life, with her actions, how she found that pearl of great price, the pearl of her vocation, of her calling, great value, one of the greatest gifts that God could give to any person in the 20th century, a vocation to Oprah's day or the 21st. And so she went and sold all that she had and bought it. She saw the whole course of her life as leading to that vocation, a preparation for the mission that God had given to her, a specific contribution that she was to make in this world, which was to be the pathway to our holiness. When you look at the early history of her family, you see there was the death of an older brother. And then there's this very touching and emotional and poignant execution of her father. And she with her family had to go to say their last goodbyes. Must have been very difficult. It could, must have been very easy to hold some sort of rancor against the people who performed that unjust deed. But yet we find her living an exquisite charity of forgiveness in the most difficult of circumstances, which gave her a new peace. She knew how to look to the future, not to be stuck in the past. And so in all of this, her life was in the hands of God. And so at every stage, we see her living a great courage and a beautiful commitment. Paul VI, in a document called Ecclesiam Suum, he says the cultivation of Christian perfection must still be regarded as the richest source of the church's spiritual strength. Oh, the beautiful words, the cultivation of Christian perfection. She was called to bring that message to Bilbao, to Mexico, later on to Rome and later on back to, to Madrid where she came from ultimately. And ultimately to her deathbed in the University of Navarre in Pamplona shortly after the death of our founder, July 1975. And all the time she's showing this great fidelity, fidelity to our spirit, peace and serenity, total self-giving, in every moment of her life. And so today can be a day of great joy for us, a day of hope, of optimism, because we see the, the light and the encouragement that comes to us through her life. She has sort of proven for us what St. Maria said on so many occasions, that the spirit of Opus Day is a pathway to sanctity. And that's what we have to try and want with all our heart. And so joy, hope and optimism are communicated to us from this feast day. As well as a great spirit of thanksgiving that we have lived to see this beatification and hopefully we may live to see the canonization. It's happened in our lifetime. It might not have happened for two or three hundred years, but it's happened now. It's a bit like telling us that God is in a hurry. 
And when we live this feast day, we can think of the joy of our Father in heaven, the joy of Blessed Alvaro, of Anne Carmen, of the grandmother, of looking and seeing his daughter being celebrated in this way. Another wonderful fruit of the life of holiness of our Father. And together with that, will all the joy of our sisters and brothers in heaven and of our whole supernatural family all over the world. We find ourselves united in this joy. Today is a day for us to think of the Father, of his intentions. In a recent letter, he's asked us to pray for that new region in East and Southern Africa. Two regions have been amalgamated. It opens up maybe a quarter of the continent, a continent of the future. So many wonderful things have to come from the apostles in these countries. Opus Dei is hoping for so much. More fruits from the life of our father, Don Alvaro, Don Javier, blessed Guadalupe. And we have to try and bring the work forward in the same way that Guadalupe did. All of the saints in the history of the work have something to say to us, in the history of the church rather, have something to say to us. But very particularly, the saints and the blesseds in the history of the work, there's always something new to learn. We can see a lot in her perseverance and her fidelity. We learn how it's not difficult to persevere in Opus Dei. The vast majority of members of Opus Dei persevere. And we can see from the story of her life that many great things depended on whether she would live her life as God wants, God wanted. And there's a message there for us. St. Rosa Maria says precisely that in the way. Many great things depend on whether you and I live our life as God wants. Having all the children that God wants us to have. Giving ourselves totally to the fulfillment of our norms. Launching out into the deep in our apostolate. Taking on greater responsibilities like Guadalupe did. Frail, fragile lady, but yet looks to this great project of Montefalco. If ever you can find out a bit more about Montefalco, it's a, a great uh, formative lesson you'll find there. It was an old hacienda that was in a bad state of repair. And the councillor and the early women of the prelature will have this dream of doing a great social work there, of converting it into a conference centre, but also into a school and to many other things but it had been abandoned, neglected for many decades. But they turned around and they made it work. When St. Jose Maria went to visit that place in 1970, one remark he made was that, I've always told you that when you start new works, you should do so with a great amount of common sense. But he said, you have done this work not just with common sense, there was no common sense, it was all supernatural sense. And so they did something wonderful. When we look back and see 
what our sisters who have done, who have gone before us, what they have achieved with their life of self-giving, with hiding away and disappearing, with bringing things forward, even though there are all sorts of difficulties. When people put their whole heart and mind, every ounce of their life and of their blood into those projects, God blesses their work with a great abundance. And so, Lord, help us to learn these lessons. In the letter of Don Alvaro, after the beatification of St. Josemaria, he asked the question, what does the raising to the altar of someone mean for us? He was speaking specifically about our father, but he could apply it to all of the successors of our father who are raised to the altars. And he said, it means a great responsibility. And so today's feast day is like a bell ringing in our mind, in our heart, <clears throat> a calling to a greater responsibility. Because the celebration of this beatification is also an ecclesial event. It's not just something for our own supernatural family. Guadalupe belongs to the universal church in a very clear way. And so the whole church rejoices on this feast day. And so it's appropriate today, well, to ask her for favours, for vocations, for all the corporate apostolic works all over the world, for all the things the Father is asking for. Because like Guadalupe, we have to be grazing where the Father is grazing. What's in his mind? What's in his heart? In these hours and days and weeks, very much in his heart is the start of this new region of South and East Africa. So we're called to sing a new song unto the Lord. And towards the end of her life, well, that heart of hers began to give a bit of a problem. She went back from Rome to Madrid. Eventually she went to undergo a a tricky operation in Pamplona that people knew and she knew that it might or might not be successful. Her brother was the founder of the Clinic of Navarre, a very famous person also whose process is, is ongoing. So quite a family. The tragedy of the early days of the death of their father in time yielded, yielded an abundant fruit. It must have been a worrying time for him. He who loved his sister so much, a great respect for her, sees her subjected to this touch and go operation, which eventually did not turn out too well. She died shortly afterwards, but in great peace and surrounded like our father was by the gratitude of so many people, a great outpouring of recognition of what she had done. As we come close to the great feast of Pentecost, we could try to follow the inspirations of the Holy Spirit with greater initiative. When Guadalupe heard things coming from our father or requests of our father, or those requests to go and start in different places, she must have brought it to her prayer. And she must have seen the Holy Spirit is speaking to me in and through these requests that are being made. If this has been asked of me, well then this is what God wants of me. 
And so there was an intelligent obedience there. Tintos and Maria like to say that we, in the work, we don't want puppets. We want personal responsibility. We make our own, all the advice we receive in our spiritual life and apostolate. We're personally responsible for making our vocation grow. So we understand that it's necessary to be careful with that candle that God has lit in our heart. We don't go to wrong environments. We don't expose ourselves to things that might be an occasion of sin. And all the time we have the model that our Father has given us as a, a model of correspondence to our vocation. We're reminded all the time that our vocation is a divine call. It's not an initiative of ours. Our Lord has called us, he said, Meus is true, you are mine. We are chosen, like the apostles, not because of what we are, but because of what we have to become. Peter was chosen with all of his humanity. When we read the biography of Guadalupe, well, we can see she had a very special humanity. She had talents, and like everybody else, she had some defects. But she worked on those talents, and she worked on those defects. She responded completely with, here I am, because you have called me. And the holier we become, the more transparent the face of Christ becomes in us. And so we have to try and engrave in our heart that we are called to holiness. No? God wants me in particular to be a saint. No? He has created me and elevated me to the order of grace. He has redeemed me. He's given me many graces. And now on this feast day, he's given me this example to look at, to meditate on, to learn from, because he loves me a lot. And on whether our life grows with depth, along the pathways that God has called us, to a large extent depends on us. God doesn't go against our freedom. He has created us out of love and he wants us to correspond with love. Everyone wants to change the world, but few people want to do it by changing themselves. Guadalupe gives us a first class example of someone was willing to do precisely that. We can't change the world if we don't change ourselves. The message of personal sanctification is not so much that we convert faraway places, but that we convert that world inside ourselves. We can want big things, but we can forget ourselves. And so while Guadalupe was involved in the building up of enormous projects like Montefalco. When our father called her to Rome, she was ready to leave that flourishing apostolate, never to go back, because she knew she was being called 
to greater and more important things, higher things that needed her attention. And so we are taught how to change and go higher by the work. But God wants us to have a passion for sanctity. And to renew that eagerness for sanctity with a human and supernatural enthusiasm. One characteristic of the correspondence of Guadalupe that we read in her biographies is precisely her enthusiasm. Her human and supernatural enthusiasm for that goal of holiness. And so, Lord, may I never lose my eagerness. May my whole life, like the whole of creation, give you glory. I remember being told by a supernumerary once, many years ago, who had gone to a seminar after many years in the work, and said that they had learned in this seminar, the main message they got was that we're not just here to sanctify our work. We are called to be holy. Sometimes it takes time for those messages to sink in. We're like little children that need to be told things 500 times before we get the message. And a necessary part of that personal holiness is apostolate. All through the life of Guadalupe, we see that concern for souls. Even though she was involved in building up wonderful projects like Monte Falco, it was very clear that the base of all the apostles of Opus Dei is the personal apostles of each one of its members, not the center, not the priest, not just the activity, but me one-to-one -one with my friends. The goal of our apostles is not just to introduce our friends to the priest. It all depends on our personal one-to-one -one dealings. And so we do Opus Dei by being Opus Dei. We could ask her to help us to be aware of all the things that might distract us. There might be certain blind alleys along our pathway. Well, better we don't go up those blind alleys. It's like if you're climbing a great mountain like Kilimanjaro, well, there are, there are different paths up the mountain but with the same objective. The important thing is not to go off the path. And to know that in some places the path is difficult. So we don't say, oh, this is very easy. St. Jose Maria wrote the map for climbing the mountain. He was the pioneer. We just have to follow in his footsteps on the road to the top of the mountain. Our vocation is a pathway to go from the bottom of the mountain to the top of the mountain. And St. Josemaria defended that roadmap against all comers. He was patient but determined. He wanted to get that new map into general circulation so that people could go to a center and, and attend a circle or a recollection or learn new aspects of this spirit. One of his main messages was that work is not a penance. That baptism requires you to do apostolate. That that's a very special role of the laity in the new era 
in which we live. And all of these are related to the roadmap. And we have a good shepherd to ensure that the flock is where it should be. And he writes to us with a certain regularity. We have a promise of cheerfulness as part of our vocation. In the forge, St. Maria says, committed. How I love that word. We children of God freely put ourselves under an obligation to live a life of dedication to God, striving that he may have complete and absolute sovereignty over our lives. And so we could ask Blessed Guadalupe today and Our Lady, Queen of all the saints, that she might help us in the whole course of our life to get new lights from this great personality that God has placed so close to us. I thank you, my God, for the good resolutions, affections and inspirations that you have communicated to me during this meditation. I ask your help to put them into practice. My Immaculate Mother, St. Joseph, my Father and Lord, my Guardian Angel, intercede for me.